Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm Chris Lee, your host. In today's show, we will speak with Chip Frederick. Chip has been my baseball counterpart on this podcast for several years. So today's show will be a conversation with Chip on the upcoming season. Chip appears on the guest line. That is presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk. That's a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, please call Taylor or Russell. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Chip. Chip Frederick joins us. It's been a while since Chip joined the show, but he's my right-hand man for baseball here on the podcast. Chip, great to have you back. Hope you're doing well. Good to be back on, Chris. It's, uh, it seems like it's, I don't know, I don't know if it feels like it's yesterday in some aspects. We talked in Omaha after, uh, actually before game three of the championship series, and then uh, it's it just, uh, I actually was watching my son's hockey practice yesterday, and I was messing with some stuff and listened to the podcast uh, that we did that last day. And uh, I was at the Rosenblatt Stadium and, and uh, we talked about the impending game of game three and the calendar doesn't stop moving. You know, it's, it's crazy how uh, time flies. And uh, here we are again for another 2022 season and, uh, at the helm and got a big time opponent in Oklahoma State coming in and a brand new season, fresh faces, some fresh faces and some guys coming back so always excited to uh be on with you to talk about Vanderbilt baseball and the look ahead you know how you know when it's baseball season around here right when it when there's when it turns 30 degrees yeah it's it's uh been pouring rain all morning the sun is nowhere in sight here in Franklin uh it's going to get colder and uh that that's when you know it's time when the weather switches abruptly and it gets way worse. We know. We know that it's getting close. It's like it's like our version of Groundhog Day. Well, yeah, it's kind of like you can imagine those guys from Hawaii a couple years ago. When was that? Was it the Hawaii series? That would have been twenty uh, twenty. Yeah. Yeah, and just when they came in, and those poor guys were in jackets and and gloves and everything. And it's just that's just the way it is here in the South. It's funny that teams will actually come here to play uh from the north and and then they um, when they arrive and it's spitting snow or sleet and it's 35 degrees they're like why are we doing that you think about Wright state who that, i was looking at oklahoma state schedule uh in pre- preparation for this chris and it's um Wright state's on their schedule i mean Wright state i'll, I'll tell the say Wright state that. takes on all comers oh they apparently. don't care they will play anybody everybody uh and that's why they end up you know about a 500 record at the end of the year. They got to play catch up. They do great in their conference, and then they end up making it to the NCAs, and they are a tough out, as we saw last year in Knoxville. So with UT, but um, yeah, it's just the weather here. Getting back to that, it's it's going to be crazy. Probably tomorrow, it's not going to feel too great, and I think it's going to warm up on Saturday and Sunday. So I think we got a little light at the end of the tunnel, the weather wise. Hopefully, it just won't be a washout tomorrow, just being freezing. But it's not going to be comfortable, and then better weather on Saturday and Sunday. Well, I'm going to segue into two things that'll tie together pretty easily. I'm concerned 
about opening weekend for Vanderbilt. I think OSU is a tough team. It's one of the better teams in the country. It's guys who can absolutely hit. And the pitching uncertainty has been the thing that everybody has talked about. The rotation came out yesterday. Chris McElvain on Friday. You've got Nick Maldonado, last year's closer, on Saturday. And Carter Holton, in a rare term, Corbin move to no matter how good a freshman is, he almost never gets the ball to start opening weekend. But Carter Holton is getting the ball. And I just think there's an intersection there of what's making people a little nervous uh, matching up against what Oklahoma State should do pretty well, which is hit. Yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to figure all that out. Uh, I've, you know, there's people on your board, which I, you know, sometimes get on, and I know they're about to have a heart attack and trying to over uh, analyze possibly the rotation and what's happened. And, and the fact of the matter is, Chris, this this is a different year. Um, I know that Coach Corbin does his, his best, and and which I think is smart. And you see other coaches sometimes follow this as far as each team is different. You know, he starts off with taking the Vanderbilt gear away and making them earn their locker room and earn their uniforms. And 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 there's definitely a method to the madness. Uh, but th- this team is going to be different in so many ways, especially on the hill in pitching. Um, and it's just it's the it's what really normal pitching staffs look like if you think about it. I mean, as Vanderbilt followers, we've been spoiled the last couple of years of having. Uh, several guys, Rocker, Lighter. I mean, you just you can just name them. When you can line those guys up, the comfort level of the coaching staff, uh, especially Coach Brown and in, in, in his role as pitching coach, is pretty easy. You hand on the ball, and you got guys you can go out Friday night, Saturday night, and give you six, seven innings. And other uh, pitch counts about ninety. We better get somebody up and in, in the pen, and and it, it just it makes it so much easier. And normal pitching staffs. For most of the teams of the conference, you look at Mississippi State, what they did last year. They won a national championship. They had one stud starter, and then they kind of piece it together on Saturday and Sunday, and that's what most colleges do, even the the best programs. Uh, they don't have a rocker, lighter guys who went in the first 12 picks um, on their staff. So whatever – people are trying to read into uh, as far as what Brown and Corbin are trying to do, you might as well just stop because they've got their reasons behind it, whether it's motivation, whether it is their comfort level. Personally, you and I aren't at practice every day. We're not in the workouts. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't see what they see and whether it, I will say this and I thought, and I've said this before in the years that we've been doing this, Chris, Tim Corbin, has always pulled something out of his hat the first weekend um, and named a starter that everyone just sat there and went, what? Who is that? I mean, I can remember, um, you know, the tournaments out in Arizona or California where he's done that and people just, they were like, and and it's usually a game or two and then it kind of settles. So it's not highly unusual to me when I saw the rotation. I just went, oh, well, I don't know if that'll be the rotation in three or four weeks, but I really don't think there's too much to read into it and and, and to waste people's time to do it. Uh, there's a method to the madness, and you know, for a guy who's been there and this is twentieth year, I think uh, uh, people just need to understand that and and go with it. Um, there's a bunch of baseball, whether they got eight out of 
eight games in the next 10 days. That's a lot. Um, and, and there'll be enough opportunities to get guys onto the mound. So uh, I just probably looking at and hearing his press conference, he's relying on guys he trusts out of the gate and to throw strikes and pitch to contact. Uh, but I will say, you know, just the main difference and people worrying about it, this team will probably have to hit their way out of a lot of games, whereas in the past they didn't. They, they relied on pitching. They're going to have to uh, early, and we'll find that out, to hit their way out of some uh, and claw back into games or keep leads with their offense more than they ever have. Well, I've talked to him publicly and privately a, a good bit the last couple of weeks. And he never came out and said it, but I know him. I know the backdrop of last year where they struggled. Um, I know the things that irritate him. And I think if you want to condense it to this, I think this is going to be either really, really accurate or very close. I think right now it's who do I trust to throw strikes the most, and those guys are getting the ball to start the game. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and, and in this day and age of college baseball – uh, you, you, especially right out of the shoot like this, you want to, That's your first and foremost uh, issue that you want to have. And I think he's comfortable with his defense, uh, wherever you know, wherever Colwick is going to be, and you've got your anchor at third base, which we all think you know is your is going to to remain what it's been, and and the comfort level there. And I think he's going to be confident in letting guys out there. Have his pitchers pitch to contact and 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 knock the ball down and play defense and then, you know, use that offense to run some bases and 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 uh, slap the ball around the park and and get it that way. But yeah, I, that's what I, I I agree with your thoughts on that and that's what the tone that I got from his press conference earlier. Now look, let, let me be clear. I've heard him say uncertainty enough times to know they're a little bit uneasy with what's going on now. I, he didn't come out and say displeasure. That's different. I think uncertainty is meant to convey that this this could go really well or the concerns that we have seen could continue to pop up, and that's the case. So I, I think that's what that means. But if you want kind of a funny way to look at it, I was talking to, to someone last night. And I said, hey, if you're on the outside looking in at this, you're sitting there going, well, wait a minute. Tim Corbin's got two first-round picks in Christian Little and Patrick Riley. That's where people are projecting them. That's a long way off. Long way off projections are not accurate, but that's perception at the time. And everybody knows both those kids have got that kind of talent. And they're not even in the rotation. Um, that, that's another way to look at it, too. Yeah, and you got to remember Little, was, I think you remarked in, in an article, I mean, he was just 17 years old. Uh, 17 years and seven months you put in there this time a year ago, which is really crazy to think about. And that guy's got experience in Omaha and, and as does Rod. I mean, you've got several guys who have been on the big stage and, and can compete and know what that's like, but you know, he, he must have an awful lot of experience, an awful lot of confidence in Carter Holton because that's a luxury or a, a privilege. I should say the privilege is the word that, you didn't have with, I don't think, Sonny Gray. I don't think, I mean, looking back on that, that usually those guys kind of work their way in and then, boom, weekend one of SEC play, they were the Sunday starter, right? Is, is, is that your recollection? It, it yeah. wasn't something that was... Uh, well, and, and, and to, to interrupt you for a second, and I was going to say this earlier, what, what you see 
in the NCAA tournament and what you see most of the regular season, you you go back and look a lot of years, and and more often than not with his great teams, they structure their pitching significantly different in the postseason. This is that that time to see who can jump out and seize a role and what can they do if given the chance. And I think he'll take a few losses. But like you, know, you saw it with Walker Bueller, he was a midweek starter for two years. Then all of a sudden, you know, they get to the to the regional and, and Walker Bueller starting and beating Oregon in a big game. Um, you saw that with Mason Hickman two years ago. So people don't need to get, I think, too caught up in that because you, you and I have seen this play out differently so many times. Yeah, and, and it just, uh, I mean, uh, Carter Holton, obviously, it, it, the quote was that he was an, he was an old soul or mature, mature beyond his years. Uh, you know, th- those are things that Tim Corbin resonates uh, when, you know, his eyes get real big when he has a kid who, you know, all that, you know, he hears slow heartbeat and, you know, mature beyond their years. I mean, those are things that it, because, you know, what Carter Holton has faced in, uh, you know, whatever is in his tournament life playing in high school and summer ball and travel ball, it's it's a little bit different than what you would see in Oxford or Starkville or Baton Rouge. It's just the en- entire vi- environment is different. So when you have, if they have enough confidence this early, that's the one that, to be honest, of, of the three of the starters, that's the one that stood out to me as a surprise. It was not Maldonado switching his role, which apparently they probably known for quite some time. I mean, you just don't, I mean, you threw 41 innings last year. And now if you're a starter, that number gets to be 80, 90, 100. You just, you've got to train differently for that. Um, and then the McIlvain issue with, with him being the starter, the Holton thing surprised me more than the other two, uh, the, the McIlvain and Maldonado, just for the fact of the precedent that he said in years past. So that tells me a whole lot about this kid, uh, and I'm, I'm excited about seeing him uh, pitch this weekend. Yeah, I would have said that too a couple weeks ago. I thought the predictable path for him would have been to give a Thomas Schultz or somebody that third spot to to give that upperclassman who's maybe his last year, although Schultz could come back for another one, and technically I think two. That's usually the path that he takes, no matter how talented that freshman arm is for the most part. Uh, he didn't take that path. I think it's telling. I think it goes back to strike throwing. And look, here, here's another thing. And he said this to me privately last week. They try to stretch guys out to see what they can do. So he didn't come into this, I don't think. And this is me editorializing. But I think I know him well enough. And I think they'll read the conversation well enough to understand it. They're trying to stretch guys out. Hunter Owen, another guy that's that's in that spot, to see what they can do. And frankly, the way baseball is now, and you saw it with Landon Sims at State last year and, and to some degree with Maldonado, if you get a guy stretched out, then, then like if you get in a situation where you need to ride a guy for 60, 70, 80 pitches, this is that training ground to see how they handle it. And if it takes and Maldonado's a starter – uh, and he carries over what he did out of the bullpen to the rotation. All of a sudden, you got another guy that, that most guys in the league don't have. There's, there's a method to what he's looking to do with stretching these guys out. I'm sure he knows that like if he does it with six guys, it's not going to work with all of them. It might work with, with three. It might work with two. But at least he's got that in his back pocket when push comes to shove. 
later down the line. And, and frankly, I like that approach more than just saying, well, hey, you were our closer. It worked last year. We'll go. We're going to stick with that. You could always go back to that in April and May or whenever, uh, but it's hard to have it the other way and know how it would have happened if you don't do it like this. Yeah, one hundred percent. You're exactly right. You don't take a guy. You could take a starter who is trained. A lot of people don't understand what that what you mean by that. But there's a specific training regimen where you have to get your arm. Uh, into shape of of throwing and recovering after you throw 80, 90, 100 pitches. It's a lot different than coming in and throwing, you know, two out of the three nights on a weekend, 15 pitches at a time. So, yes, they can absolutely go with Maldonado's now, see how it works, and then back him down if it's just not working out and he could become the the closer in that role. You, You don't, it's hard to do, um, and, and, you know, Derek Johnson used to, t- I, I had some conversations with him when he was a pitching coach, um, some interesting talks. Uh, he actually shared his pitching manual with me that I still got in a drawer here. It's this thick binder that, uh, really is an, is an incredible read. I'm sure it's been updated many times with his travels in major league baseball. But one of the things that stuck out with me with, with Derek Johnson talking about pitching is a lot of kids don't, don't know what it's like for their their arm has to be fatigued and their body has to be fatigued and they have to be able to rebound from that and if you don't know you don't get to that level and you don't reach like you're talking about stretching guys out then the body uh doesn't know how to react and recover accordingly and so what they try to do is in their training regimen of of long toss and stretching and doing different uh, things in the bullpen there's an art to that madness, believe it or not, that they all track and they stay on these plans. So Maldonado, as Tim mentioned in his in his um, press conference, has had to have known that he was going. Whether he asked to be a starter, whether he thought his future, you know, I want to give this a go, uh, Brownie and and Corbs, or uh, they asked him. But it's not something that they just sprung on him a week ago and said, by the way. Uh, we think he'd be a pretty good starter. That's something that's been, I think, probably in the works for quite a while. Where I think the mystery is on this team, and I I don't think there's a close second. I mean, yes, there's a mystery to what does it look like when Little throws and what does it look like when Riley throws, but you kind of know the extreme ends of that good and bad. What I don't know at all is the bullpen. Um you know, and especially you take Maldonado out of that, and then it's like, wait a minute, um, who, who's going to throw? Is it is that Gage Bradley? Is that Berkwich? Is that Grayson Moore? Is that Hunter Owen? That to me is the the spot of the biggest uncertainty of the team, and I, I really, I would be lying if I told you that let's say they get to the eighth inning and it's a three two game and. They've exhausted McIlwain and, and maybe a Schultz or somebody like that who comes in to give you two or three innings. Like, who do they go to in the eighth and ninth in, in game one or if that's the scenario on Saturday either? And, and frankly, I don't have any idea. I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking maybe it's Grayson Moore because we saw him do it in the fall. There was a little bit of a Luke Murphy feel to the way he pitched with with the way he took a jump up. Now, he wasn't as good as Murphy. The stuff's not as electric, but it was pretty impressive. But I get the feeling that maybe Moore might even be a few notches down 
from some of the other options. And that's where, to me, I just go into the first weekend. I don't have any idea of what to expect from their bullpen. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, and, and that, that's going to be a TBA, definitely. I mean, it's just going to be going to have to work it out over the next, not just next eight games in the next 10 days, but work it out over the next several weeks and when they go to Hawaii and see how guys respond out there. And I'm you know they'll be taking the. I think that's one of the deals they usually do. They'll take the entire roster to to Hawaii. Uh, they usually Tim usually likes doing that on a big trip and taking everybody. And and when you got a lot of games, you got four games in Hawaii uh, in a row there that usually have three on a weekend. You're gonna have four out there, so there'll be plenty of opportunities for guys to pitch. But yeah, I think it's just a wait and see. And and a lot of people anxious Vanderbilt fans, which I understand. I'm not, it, it, it's just the wait and see kind of bothers them a little bit when you're used to stability, but you know, that's, it can also be just a little exciting too. see what new faces come along. Cause you know, there's talent there, you know, the recruiting classes have stacked up and there's guys who are just waiting their chance. And this is a chance for these younger guys to step in Berkowitz. You know, he's an interesting cat to me, Chris, because you know, he had the stigma of coming in against Missouri last year when Leiter had the no-hitter and they took him out with the pitch count. And then I think he gave up a couple bombs. I, I don't He didn't have a very good outing. And, you know, it was like, here's a guy who's trying to preserve a no-hitter and he got and, – and we still won the game. But he responded after that and really came in as a, as a strike zone pounder guy who they could trust, even got in in Omaha uh, out there a couple times and – you know, uh, it, it could be a, he could have more of a role on a Sunday if they just need to get a guy out there to throw strikes and throw some ground balls. But, you know, I was not aware uh, of his, you know, he, he was not a guy who was as heralded as some of the other pitchers that you come in there, which at, at Vanderbilt, some of the recruits they get in there, you can get buried under um, the, the their accolades of some of the top guys. But, you know, Berkowitz has national team experience when he, he played for, uh, the USA team when he's in his, you know, his high school years and he's been on the big stage and, and, and knows, you know, he was coached by Jason Maxwell at Innsworth, who's the Innsworth high school baseball coach here who I have a lot of respect for a good, fr- good friend of mine. And he speaks highly of Berkowitz. He, uh, you know, Jason was very close to little 
Uh, and we talked in depth a lot this summer and in, in, in Omaha about Little's development and, you know, how that he was going to have to grow up after that incident in the SEC tournament when he seemed to have a little pout in, pouting incident on the bench because things weren't going his way. But, I mean, the key's 17 years old at the time. You know, there's there's a lot to be said about that. So a lot of growing to do by these guys still. I mean, then, you know, and, and, and I think there'll be opportunities for new faces and some guys who've been there for a while to step up and, and claim roles. And when you look and see what's coming in this weekend of a top-10 team in Oklahoma State, there's no mercy here. I mean, these guys are going to come in here – ready to go there. I think they're one and three overall against Vanderbilt in, the, in their lifetime as far as a career Oklahoma State and we took two out of three from them uh, was it a year or two ago out there and last year got, yeah yeah last year it, it all runs together but uh, yeah it was last year so this is a team that uh, coming in will will let you see what your deficiencies deficiencies are real quick and uh, it'll be a good experience for all these guys yeah I've got about 16, 17 minutes left before I've got to go, and I want to make sure we get to the hitting, which we've not touched on. But one little note, this maybe makes people feel a little better. Uh, now, Burke, which is a lefty, and you usually don't close with lefties, but it's not totally unheard of. Um, last year, 14 and two-thirds innings. The big numbers to me, he struck out 19 and walked three. That walk number for a freshman or for anybody was really good. And to, to me, that's encouraging because I, I think he's he's hard to hit from that arm angle. And uh, that, I think if you're looking for like a sleeper guy that can have a big year that nobody's talking about, that wouldn't be a bad place to start. Yeah, and I've had – I had uh... – People clamoring to me uh, last year during the World Series, you know, throw Berkowitz out there. I mean, the former players, guys I've discussed baseball with and stuff, they were just like, you know, for that game three, you know, they were worried about Rocker and whether his velocity was going to be there. So, yeah, it, it, there's Berkowitz has an opportunity, I think, being left-handed, but mainly being a strike thrower. Like you mentioned, his strikeout walk ratio was really good last year, and it will be fun to see how he develops. And and then there's other guys um, as we get off pitching here. But, you know, didn't McIlvain didn't pitch much in the fall, right? I mean, he took the fall basically He took the off. fall off. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, there has to be – and I think you mentioned uh, this before. You know, he's a guy that um, – you've said this before, that Tim rolls out there for media appearances and he's kind of a spokesperson, an old soul of the team. And – there's a lot to be said about that for a guy who did not pitch any in the fall, did not pitch any in the scrimmages when they went to North Carolina, that he's your he's going to get the ball first game, game one against the top ten team. Yeah, and, and one more little note on him. Uh, Tim Corbin has noted how much his body has completely changed. He's right. Like, if you, if you look at him, and I think there's such a thing as being too big. I don't think that's the case. But, like, if you if you said, hey, here's the, the starting free safety on the football team um, – it's believable at this point the way that that kid's put together. But hitting, I, w- I want to start here. Um, my guess what they're going to do, how they're going to line up for the opener. I think they'll catch Keegan. I think they'll go Tate at first, Diaz at second, Young at short, Nolan at third, Vaz in left, Bradfield in center, and Spencer Jones in right. If that changes somewhere, I think it's the right side of the infield. I'd, I'd be shocked if Tate Colwick isn't starting, but maybe they go Colwick at first and, and Vastine, or excuse me, Colwick at second, Vastine at first, um, you know, based on matchups, because he's mentioned they may 
they got a lot of lefty-righty options at the DH spot. Vastine has done some good things. I think that's how you pronounce it. My apologies if I got that wrong. But I think if there's a change to it, that's probably where it comes. But the upshot is this. Then you got to go to DH. Um, Bolger may be their top option there, depending on, again, handedness of the other pitcher. But upshot of this, too, I think they're really deep at position players and what I'm getting at is, like, you're going to start with either Bulger or Leneve on the bench probably, two pretty good hitters, and that's a that's a really encouraging place to start. I mean, I know everybody's still thinking about how poorly they hit in Omaha, and I don't blame them. I just have a lot of confidence that this team's really going to hit, and you got some depth to start with when that's your situation. you got kids that I think would play most places, probably two or three of them that are coming off the bench, and that's going to be a luxury most teams don't have. Yeah, and, and when you talk about the way Vanderbilt trains and a little differently than probably a lot of teams do where they interchange positions and they'll have guys take ground balls at first who are third basemen and they'll do that and they'll just and they'll put a guy at first during a scrimmage and who's never played there, he's maybe a second baseman. That's what's happened with Colwick. And they really – he's on the right side from where he usually is, just one position over to his left. And they really see those as interchangeable. And there's not a lot of heartache by the players. They just want to be in the lineup. And and uh, so, you know, Colwick, I think you're right, would probably be at first. Davis Diaz, we talked about him. I remember mentioning his name uh, when we did, when I got back from Omaha, we were talking about the draft and we were talking about different players. And I mentioned his name from that name that I talked about, my good friend, Jason Maxwell, who has very good experience with Davis Diaz on the on the national team as well. Uh, he mentioned him. He said, I'm telling you, this guy is going to be the stud of the class when it's all said and done of this year's class. And look at it. He's, it looks like he could probably start the first game as a freshman. Um Got a good build, uh, good arm, very nice range. Uh, you know, he was the hundred. You forget he was the hundredth ranked player in the in the twenty twenty one class by perfect game, as you mentioned in your article. And people forget that. So he could have very easily gone much better draft position had he not been committed to Vanderbilt, which we see a lot happen. So you know, the stalwart, you know. Looks like Parker Nolan is going to be there until something happens, which we hope doesn't. I mean, it, that's one that you pretty much know about. And as you know, Carter Young, who uh, Carter, you just think back on his situation. I'm really talking about hitting. Is really interesting to see how he's going to uh, rebound um, from the, just the images in Omaha. And people got to understand he was hurt. I mean, yeah, I I had look hats off to that kid through playing through what he played through. He was clearly not himself. Um, Nobody should hold his performance in Omaha against him. I don't think anybody does, but let's just let's get that out there. Yeah, I mean, just way too talented to uh, and and shows his guts for what he did to to hang in there as he did. And, and, you know, just everything seemed to go wrong. The ball getting stuck in his glove and out there. Remember that? Didn't it happen twice? It happened at least once, yeah. Yeah, and so you just—it was just a uh, injury and all that stuff that happened. So I'm I'm really glad to see him back, and hopefully he'll he'll start off strong and 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 get his confidence to where it needs to be because I, I know he had surgery after the year. I'm pretty sure he went to up to uh, the East Coast and had it looked at, and I'm almost 100% sure he had surgery. So that shows kind of kid he is that he. He hung in there during Omaha, and and so yeah, I know everyone's. 
I'm like you. You, I, the, the, you rattled my brain a little bit, Chris. Of just uh, it's something I forgot about the, the the dismal hitting that we had that last. We were just hanging on, uh, even in the games we were winning in Omaha. We were just limping to the finish line, and it was just uh, a situation um, we'd all like to forget as far as on on the offensive side. But I, I really, I, the main things I'm looking for this team is just cutting down on strikeouts and, and putting the ball in play and doing the little things that you saw the scrappy Mississippi State team did that was easy to compare because you were sitting there watching it. You know, there's a team that was hitting the ball to all fields. They were running. They they were protecting the plate. They weren't uh, striking out a lot. And you saw what happened, the result of, of, of doing that. So there's some new faces out there. There's some guys who are returning as well, but – the, the one thing I want to see is, is just as always is is we did that pretty much mid-year, first part of the year. We weren't striking out. I think we'd had some success in cutting back from what happened two seasons ago, but it reared its head again in Omaha, and, and those things that, uh, just tend to stick with you. So they need to have a good jump with, you know, Bradfield coming back. He's always going to be dangerous. Uh, it's getting interesting to see if he and I haven't, you know, talking to this guy like you know, has he changed his body much, Chris? I don't, I don't know what they listen. Bradfield's to. gotten a little bit stronger, from what I'm told. I yeah. would think so. Yeah, and yeah, and, um, you don't want to sacrifice too much on speed there, but it's it's very comforting knowing that that kid is is going to be leading off again and in his spot and has all the experience to patrol the outfield like he's going to. So. That's where you're going to have to say, and I talked about, you know, you're not going to be able to throw guys out there in 80, 90 pitches and two first rounders. So the offense is going to have to be better, and it might not show early. It might not show the first weekend against Oklahoma. It might not show, you know, when they go to Hawaii. It's just going to have to be a developing thing where they might lose some ball games or have some low run, low run scoring games in order to get where they need to be. But that's that's where the offense is going to have to pick up and do what they didn't do towards the end of the year last year yeah and a few minutes left let me give you my take on their offense okay I know LSU and Ole Miss are probably the best two lineups in the country people are talking about Arkansas I think Arkansas is is outstanding I think it's a notch between uh, below them and and those other two teams and then I think it's that discussion goes to everybody else but I'll tell you what it's not out of the realm of possibility this ends up being an elite lineup. You've got Bradfield had a 451 on base a year ago. I think sophomore slumps are always a concern. It's just hard to do what he did two straight years. But you go into this year with him as a first or second team All American. You got Vaz, who really got on base a lot in the postseason. Um, you look around the infield, you got Carter Young who had 16 home runs last year, probably would have been 20 without an injury. You got Keegan hit 15 bombs and slugged 620-something. Tate Colwick was leading them in home runs a year ago until he got hurt. So you got three guys right there that that could probably hit 15 home runs. And and look, if Laniv busted in the lineup and did that too, it's not the craziest thing that ever happened. Um, You got Spencer Jones and Wright, who a year or two two ago was getting – first pick of the of the 22 draft type hype um I, I don't know what that is but he, he's kind of out there kind of forgotten with all that kind of talent he's a six seven kid who can fly and he's got a lot of pop in his bat i was watching him in the cage yesterday 
uh, and he was hitting them out pretty consistently, um, you know, without a lot of effort. So I don't know. You know, again, Bolger's a good hitter. They think Parker Nolan has improved. I look all over this lineup, and I see a, a one to nine that, that I think could be really, really difficult to pitch through, literally at every spot. Yeah, and we forget that it, just staying healthy is going to be the key there. We forget even that, and I think it was kept pretty quiet in Omaha that Bradfield was even banged up in Omaha. If you remember, I don't know if he had a knee or. Oh, you hamstring. you could see it. They they denied it publicly, and I understood yeah. why, but that that was not hard to see. Yeah, so you know you you got guys who you know, uh, as you mentioned, Carter Young. You had Bradfield. I mean, so there's some. I don't want to say there reason. There might be reasons. I'm trying to use them as excuses. There's a difference. I feel like, but there were some reasons why some of that was happening. I think out there, but they just need to get off to a good start. Guys have some positive energy and, and good at bats early on. Whether they, as long as they're good at bats and they're seeing the ball well, I think that's important. And uh, but it, it's going to have to be a level of patience. I think with the fan base and. And uh, you can just sort of see in Tim's demeanor when he's talking about this team that, um, you know, if every team was the same, it'd be kind of boring. And I'm not saying you wouldn't want to have, you know, guys like the national championship team a couple years ago where you had veterans and you had youth and you had guys who had come on unexpectedly and had all those excess of riches where you just showed up and you won 50 plus games and you win a national championship. But it, it does, I think, in coaching. Uh, it, it keeps you motivated and in, in winning a different way and winning with different kids and and learning to develop players that um, have different sets of skills that uh, maybe you haven't shown them completely or that need some maturity and need some guiding. So, uh, And the teacher in Tim Corbin loves that. I think he enjoys that. I think he, he and his staff um, really do pick up on that as something that motivates them and keeps them going. So... I just think uh, don't really pay too much, and you hear Tim talk about it, it's the training is just as important as the games, and I and I get that too, uh, because as a a coach, you want to get these guys in a it's 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 the end game that's important, and they don't talk too much about Omaha and regionals and all that at all. It's just building on that, and uh, I think the experience that these kids are going to have early on playing some really good teams and some environments that are. Uh, difficult and going to take some patience as far as traveling to Hawaii and all those things. All those things end up making a team, um, you know, uh, sharpening their iron, so to speak, as far as getting uh, where they need to be at the end of the year. At the at the um, you know the ultimate goal as far as being where they've been the last couple of years in the position to win it all. All right, I got two or three minutes before I've got to get to another podcast. I'm running the gauntlet of these today. Is the <laughs> intersection of of baseball and basketball is happening. Anything that's worth a mention we didn't get to? No, uh, you know, I think it's, um, I think we're going to see, speaking a little bit about our opponent this weekend, Oklahoma State, I, I just, uh, people have got to realize this team's very, very talented. Josh Holiday, former Vanderbilt coach who, who was here for, you know, in the Sunny Gray years in that era, Yaz for a little bit. Uh, those guys um, developed those guys really well as an assistant top flight recruiter. And they're coming to town with, uh, you know, some high hopes. So I think you're going, you're not seeing a, a team that is, a, you know, a mid-major coming in here. This is going to be a very big test. And it was interesting that Tim um, scheduled them. And I think it's great that he did. You want to see what you got coming out of the gate. So, uh, you know, 
other than what we've talked about, though, Chris, I think it's just uh, things will be different this year. The result might end up being the same, um, hopefully. But just having a little level of patience with these kids as they develop uh, and not trying to outguess things too much. Once again, we're not in we're not in the training sessions. We're not in the uh, seeing how these guys act in the classroom as far as taking to what they're trying to do and leadership roles. So uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think it'll be it's going to be fun to watch them uh, develop and bounce back and seeing what they got. And um, can't believe it's already here. My goodness, it's February February baseball and. It'll come at you real quick. Next thing you know, we'll be in the SEC play, and we'll be talking about that. But I think there's a lot of great baseball in this league across the country. It's still continuing to grow. And um, my goodness, from where it was, from when I played, uh, my last year was 1990 compared to what it's done even in the last 10 years. It's incredible. You look at Oklahoma State Stadium when I was on their website. They've got a jewel of a stadium. I mean, just their, their stadium, they just redid it, and they've got – um, unbelievable facilities there. So it's just you're seeing this continue to grow, this great college baseball game that we have, and I'm just still glad to be able to follow it and, and keep up with with uh, you and talking about Vandy baseball. You've got a thriving real estate business. Give us about 30 seconds quickly about Frederick and Clark. Sure, uh, Chris, just tell you a little bit about our real estate company. We have two offices, one in Brentwood, one in Green Hills. The market's still great. It's still great if you're a seller. It's not too fun if you're a buyer. There's not a lot of inventory out there, but we do have over 180 agents who can help customers, Vanderbilt fans, SEC fans, what have you, as far as their home search, whether they're buying or selling. Best thing to do, once you check us out on the web at frederickandclark.com, do a Google search for Frederick and Clark Realty. We'd love to help you out with the sale of your home. I've got a, I've got a guy listening from Atlanta, Jay, who's a dedicated listener to your podcast and on your board. And Jay's moving to Nashville soon. He's wanting to use our firm for uh, find, finding a, a condo for he and his wife. And, and we're excited about doing that. So he's a big Vanderbilt fan, always has been, and looking forward to being close to the Hawk. That was one of his – he wanted to be close to the Hawk was his – not like, you know, price range – not a uh, number of bedrooms. He wanted to be close to Hawkins Field. So that's how uh, Jay um, d- decides his home search, which I love. Uh, but uh, anybody who wants to look uh, buying, selling a home, would love to give you, uh, hook you up with one of our one of our 180 agents. Uh, very knowledgeable, experienced, a lot of them Nashville-based, grew up here, so they know the market. And you can give us a call at 615-327-4800, and we'd love to talk to you about your real estate needs. Being close to the Hawk is a noble and worthy goal. I'll be in the Hawk this weekend. I'm pretty sure you will be too. Chip, just thrilled that baseball's here. Really appreciate having you back. These podcasts have been so much fun to do, and uh, we'll have another one to do next weekend, and, and whatever happens, I, I feel like it's going to be interesting. Man, we, we leave for Hawaii when? When do we when do we we got to do it? Before? Oh goodness, um, they play Friday, no, Saturday. Hey, you and you didn't tell everybody. Oh, we're well, Hawaii. yeah. Well, I haven't told my wife this yet. Which, <laughs> right. This could there be an was, obstacle. I'll, I'll be a stowaway in the back of the plane. That would did, that would did, be an incredible trip. But no, we'll, uh, yeah, I think I think disappearing and leaving her with a with an eight and a ten year old um, probably right would wouldn't be her yeah the the best move um, I've I'm, ever pulled. I'm right there with you. <laughs> But uh, we, we can only dream. That's right. All right. We'll All right. talk to you uh, next time, Chris, and, and hopefully get a couple wins here this weekend. All right. Thanks, Chip. We'll see you soon. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrisley70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.